Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 74 of the Pull List Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, on the other side of the screen, and I never know which way to point, so I'll point both ways, is Hector. How's it going, Hector? You doing all right? Yeah, that sounded very uh, Wizard of Oz, Scarecrow. <laughs> well, I mean... Uh... Some people do go both ways. <laughs> ah... He's got jokes. He's got theater jokes. He's got comic jokes. He's got joke jokes. And he'll be with us the entire... I've always considered doing stand-up. Like, I really have. I mean... It'd be fun. There'd be space for it, so why not? So, you know, starring today, the one and only Hector in his one-day stand. Ah, As we both enjoy (laughs) caffeinated beverages for this morning kickoff of our show. So... I guess that means we got to do the comics. Yep. Let's do it. So strap yourselves and prepare yourselves for we've got comic sign. a little hypocritical because i don't see you strapped in oh i know i need to get like a harness or something um be dope if we had roller coaster things go (laughs) and then somebody would come by and say sir i'm sorry but uh your harness does not come down all the way you're a little too fat for this podcast (laughs) i'm sorry you you need to be at least this tall to ride this ride it's got to close down above your waist sir if you're gonna podcast (laughs) otherwise no podcast for you well I hope everyone's ready because we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, And as always, I I think we have cobbled together a fairly wonderful show for you. Um, At least I think so. Um, We'll see, I guess. Um, So here we go. And away we go. So we should talk about news. We should talk about some of our polls and some of our favorite things from this week because that seems like really important. Um, and then we should just kind of see where the rest of the show goes, right? So mm-hmm. that seems that seems fair. So let's go ahead and do the thing. You think I'd be doing this for like four years, we'd not be indecisive. No, well, yeah, right. It's, what are we going to do next? I don't know. Something important, I guess. Um, who knows? We're going to so, talk about some news. 70 issues of Batman later. Yeah. <laughs> how, how many more DC comics can Hector and Chris talk about for, yeah, about the fourth year in a row? Well, I'm leading with DC news. So, uh, in that special, it's a thing. So, yeah, let's let's get to it. DC fandom is dead. Oh no. Oh well, yeah. So if you forgot right, if you, if you forgot what the fandom is, I I figured I have to actually enunciate there um so we don't get confused about fandom because no, fans are fine. Um I think. Um but the fandom was their digital event during COVID that they kind of dropped into places in place of doing other shows and other types of things and so yeah. They've been doing kind of this online, usually it was like 24 hours, so sometimes it was multiple days and they filmed clips did interviews did panels and all that good stuff so you could catch up on 
all of the goodness that was coming forward. And well, they're like, I, I, I think you're allowed to see human beings again. And they looked at their legal department and they were like, cool. Um, so that's why they pulled the plug on it is that they want to go back to doing in-person stuffs in the near future and everything. They didn't quite enunciate when, how, et cetera, but they want to go back to doing in-person events and having real people doing panels and things of the such. So I guess probably some of this is we have New York comic con coming up still. Um, that's probably the last big marker for the rest of the year. So I think I mean, dragon con is this weekend. Dragon Con is this weekend, but I don't think they have any significant DC proper stuff announced for Dragon. Mm. Um, Because Dragon Con's weird in that sense, is in so far as like comic specific, that yes, everybody's present, but it's not necessarily the focus. Because Dragon Con is a cosplay slash media show and and or has developed into one over the years. I, I just remember in Stan Lee's last year of life, he was at Dragon Con. And he was on the same artist alley that I would have been in. That's cray cray. Like he wasn't with the celebrities. He was in the artist alley crammed into the third floor of the random hotel down the street. That's wild. And that right. And that's so wild is that for folks that know Dragon Con is that comics, like I said, kind of have always been this thing to the side. <laughs> um but they have their own space and they've always had their own space and everything. But a lot of people are always like, wow, that's a really long way to walk just for just for comics. Comics are the <laughs> unattractive partner that you don't post on social media. Yeah. Aw, wait. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> moving right along. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, so. You, you don't get a bunch of green screen DC news this year, I guess, is is ultimately now, what that now, plan. I, I put this out, though, wholeheartedly. If Fandom was a proper in-person event that you could go to, I would be there. Right. And I be it, they've been kind of weak on the is that what they mean or is it just going away until they do more stuff? But if they did, if there was a legit just DC event. Where I knew they were going to basically do like a DC D23 mm, all right. day or day. And I I have to think that if they're paying attention to the market space, that's where they're going to go. Right. Because that is what all of their competition is doing. Um, it is. Even, but Discovery ain't about that. Mm, mm. Discovery is about trimming the fat so they can sell it to whoever. Yeah. How unfortunate. How unfortunate. So, Yeah. That's happening. I I will now balance this wonderful set of news with uh, some Marvel stuffs. Uh, do you remember once upon a time that the Wasp actually had their own series, own minis, yeah, and stuff, and even more specifically that it was delightful, and that our friend Jeremy Whitley like was writing that wonderful thing. Um, I remember uh, that Tabitha um, really loved it. So. That's a thing. Well, it's coming back, but not with our friend Jeremy Whitley and everyone else. Yeah, it's a four-part mini, Al. Uh, let's see, Ewing and the rest of all those wonderful folks who wrote it once upon a time, I think before Jeremy, is the return. But it's only a four-part, so congrats. The Wasp is back. 
I guess she's stoppable now because she was unstoppable then. And they didn't say now it's just the wasp. I don't know. Um, they but, have to remind people who she is before the movie drops. That, I mean, no, no lies detected. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just it's the same reason why they're why Moon Knight kicked back off before the show or why Hawkeye kicked back off before the show. It's just like. Hey, we need to remind proper nerds that this property exists. And oh, by the way, why Thunderbolts restarted recently. And why She-Hulk, which is, by the way, She-Hulk's good. The comic, I'm enjoying it. Um, I've been enjoying that for a while. But yeah. When She-Hulk's in print, it's, you, it's been really good the last few times. But I feel like people sleep on it every single time, but maybe the show will draw some attention back to the last couple runs and people will be able to read a delightful comic and they'll understand why she's talking to the camera. (laughs) Uh, It's not a Deadpool thing. It's actually her thing from like the last two series, if not longer. (laughs) Well, it's we were watching it last night and um, Rosa said, I love it when she Deadpools. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, mm, mm." like another time yeah we will return to this nerd uh so more wasp is in our future and my my last two things for for news is actually industry stuffs um i've been trying to look far wide and deep to actually talk about industry things because it's been kind of quiet as of late which is either people getting better at keeping things to themselves or there's actually just not a lot going on the industry said, hey, remember that guy, Chris, you worked with he <laughs> uses everything you tell him on his podcast. Shut yeah, up. don't don't put that stuff on the Internet. Somebody might talk about it. Yeah. Well, guess what? Um, if, it, if it wasn't for Rich Johnson, I wouldn't have things to talk about. So here we go. Things that Rich Johnson said. Um, <laughs> Just title of your country album. <laughs> oh, that's a good ring to it. He's right? British, though, so that's kind of weird. I know, but the name sounds country. Right. All right. I'll have to. I'll think about that. Hmm. Uh, so Bad Idea Comics. We have talked about Bad Idea in the past because of the self-realization that everything they do is a bad idea and or purposely a bad idea. Um, and this is the former Valiant crew. So Dinesh and... Um, crew adam all the people that were the core center of valiant before the chinese were like here take money and then threw them all out not that anyone is still bitter about that extremely still bitter about that um bad idea came into being where they did very exclusive only physical drops of their books direct distribution uh limited existence just all of the things that usually upset people (laughs) But really fun artist and writer combinations for a lot of their books, really out there type stuff. Uh, they have gone into phase two, um, which is to say they're going to do another series of books because um, this is kind of their thing is they add exclusive stores. They release a series of books. They go to a bunch of conventions. And now in year two, we know that it is now rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Um, they're doing some different things in this time around, but I think my favorite And quite frankly, I slept on it and I missed it and shame on me. But this is my all time favorite thing that I think I've seen a comic company do in a while. And if you didn't read about this, Hector, I can't wait to see your response to this. They published a Mark Wade story, which is their first drop 
in this month's preview catalog in its entirety. Yep. So they bought space in previews, not to preview the book. The eight pages of this short story are in its entirety in the previews catalog. Which means the only way you can get it is if you buy a physical previews book. Bro, when's the last time you bought a physical previews book? Uh, if you didn't run a shop. <laughs> exactly. So they have now created a, a buying power for this one. And the hardcore fans of their thing are going to go buy multiple copies of this thing, which is the hilarity of it. Um. Yeah, no, I was just like, this is either the most brilliant or it really is a bad idea. It would make me feel like previews let them do it for free. I'm not sure. I don't know, honestly, behind the scenes if it was paid or if previews was like, I see what you just did there. You're about to make us money um, on a thing that almost nobody cares about. Um, Because that would be the thing they say, hey, we'll put an original story with Mark Wade in your book. Just give us the space for free. Right. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, people. You are about to have record sales on previews catalog. Oh, I should. Pro- we should probably back up. I don't know if we have ever actually explained what a previews catalog is um, no. to our glorious. I, and I should have picked one up for so I could show you. But previews catalog is literally a physical catalog. Like for all of us old people think the old Sears. It's a phone book. Yeah, think the old Sears Christmas catalog where you're like, ooh, all the things that I want to buy. It is literally that except for comics. And it's for future solicitations so that shops and people can be like, oh, yeah, that's coming out in three months. I totally want that. Add that to my list. And it will have it's broken down by publisher and it will show you the, the covers, the writing team, the synopsises and all that stuff. Like it's literally a perusal of all the things that are to come so that. When we sit down to do our FOC math, in theory, all of the intelligent customers in front of us have already told us what they want to buy. (laughs) Now, (laughs) that has certainly been the theory for years and years and years. And even still in this catalog to this day, since its its inception, was a physical sheet that you can take a pen or a pencil, one of these things, and check a box next to a comic and hand it to a comic store so that they can create your pull list. Um, welcome to the year 2020. Um, and two. I, I could tell two. you confidently. Hmm? Two. Yeah. 2022. Did I say 23? Well. You said 2020. Uh, I thought I said 2022, but. No. <laughs> it's fine. It's still early. It's it's the twenty twenties, y'all. <laughs> it's the it's the roaring twenties. Um and so yeah, there is an app for it now. Um I haven't heard a lot of places that are actually using it yet. So that might be a different conversation for another time because I am all for a digital pull list so I can actually create stuff and create less work for the human beings there. And there's only a handful of companies that are actually doing that for shops anyway. So fun little tangent, y'all. But previews catalog, like literally couple inch thick thing that comes out once a month and you can use it as a weapon and or is classified as a weapon in the state of California. Um, you know, it'd be fun. Just on a side note. Mm. And this might be an after, but whatever. Um, if you and I actually like went to our various shops and just like asked two or three people what their pulls are. 
Ooh. We could do on the street interviews. That's what I'm saying. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. Side note. Uh, producer Matt, please add that to our notes. That was yes. our first. That was our first or second Matt sighting of this episode. Um, so yeah, bad idea continues to do really random things. Um, but I'll tell you what: seeing that Mark Wade was one of their pickups for this round two shows me that they are still pulling deep from the catalog of creative teams to do stuff for bad idea. So pay attention. If you're into the deep cut of comics and stuff, I'd say keep ahead of that because if you're not getting it, FOCing it, ordering it through your shop, pretty much the downside to the bad idea experiment is you're not seeing it at all um, because it is it is very limited in a lot of their runs and stuff. I haven't seen a huge market secondary for it except for people that are selling books for like a couple hundred dollars. And so it's not like you're walking into many back sections and seeing a lot of their stuff, but a lot of it is really good. And so our final piece, and it's probably one of our future interviews that we need to do is our, our buddy, our buddy, Rob Potsy. Um, Yay, Rob uh, has been promoted to associate editor at Keenspot. So the important thing here and why we probably should just have Rob on is Rob does podcasts. He's done all kinds of stuff. He was a um, GameStop manager for years and years and years and just loved the video games and all that. But his side thing has always been he wanted to produce comics. He's an artist. He's a writer. And he's done a lot of different things at Keenspot, um, original work, but also a lot of like satire type things that he's done. And he's gone from literally, you know, like submitting pages and ideas to getting a book, two books, three books to being an associate editor of, you know, an independent small level print. And they've been sending him to San Diego for like the last couple of years that, yeah, this is another one of those. We just need to have Rob on to tell the full story because this is a great example of you can hustle this industry out. I got to say too, that was like a great moment for me. Like there was a, it may have been Sunday or Saturday at Dragon, at, san diego 2019 mm. i'm waiting for a panel uh that i'm about to do i'm exhausted i'm tired honestly i'm lonely and a little scared Aww. all of the things and i'm just sitting there like against the wall <laughs> tired and sweaty and then <laughs> rob walks up hey buddy and i'm like hey friend a human i know a human <laughs> <laughs> and it's like we then we were just gonna see each other the next week but it was it was really neat to like see a guy see it like Across like, the country, right? Across the country, but Rob also sets up at my local comic shop. Yep. Then to see him in San Diego and know that he's doing good stuff. And uh, I've also working on a comic book that we're pitching to Rob for King Spot. So, <laughs> but oh, <laughs> formal disclosures. <laughs> Still love you. Yep. Um, so we'll keep an eye to see what other amazing industry stuff or uninteresting industry stuff makes its way into the news. But that's basically what you need to know for this uh, period as Hector like throws things around. And now you know Shepard book died. That <laughs> too soon. Spoilers. <laughs> too soon. Spoilers for uh, 17 years ago or 15 right. years ago. Yeah, this is fine. Um, 
So yeah, that's our look at the industry for this two-week period. And as always, you can join in on the conversation with Hector and I and all of your nerdy friends on the Love Thy Nerd Facebook page, uh, the Discord that Hector's going to make a face about because that's like his job now. See? No, I'm I'm excited about Discord, and I look forward to a future community there. Do you get talked to? <laughs> um. So, yeah, you you can find us in all of the places and you can still text Hector about his Zune and his Zune playlist because that is an important part of the show. Um, I actually have to work on a Zune playlist as soon as this is over for the senior citizen karaoke MDJing tonight. Yeah, we're going to circle back to that next episode because uh, <laughs> I was talking to Hector pre-show that I want to know what the playlist for that event looks like. Um, and that's just me. But yeah. Join us in all the places. Join in on the conversation. Now that you can see how goofy we look early in the morning when we talk about comics, you can even talk about that. Um, so tell us what you liked, what you hated, or what we missed, because I guarantee we missed a few things. Uh, that tends to happen. Yes. So this is fine. This is fine. You are listening to The Pull List Podcast with Chris Fourier and Hector Mira. Hey everyone, I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So I've got a guy that I meet with almost weekly to do discipleship with. We go over scripture together, we talk about what's going on in our families, we pray, we have hard conversations, you know, the good stuff. And honestly, this week, I've not been feeling it. Um been kind of highs and lows emotionally um spiritually feeling a little drained and i (laughs) i just i just didn't have it in me to be a leader on a one-on-one situation and so he messaged me we hey we still meeting at this time and i shot back i was like listen um i'm i'm just not in a good place for that and um he didn't push me or whatever um but he said, can we still hang out? So uh, he came over and instead of us doing discipleship, we played Pokemon, the trading card game. And we talked and he encouraged me and he said, you know, sometimes we just need to be seen and encouraged, entertained even. And you know what? I'm pretty sure I got more out of that experience than if we had just read through a chapter of scripture together. And it reminded me of the fact that after Jesus had rose from the dead, after Peter denied him, um, that in John 21, when Jesus was wanting to have a conversation with Peter, he didn't just like wait for him on the shore with a lecture or anything else. He made him breakfast. John 21 9 says when they got out on land they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread like Jesus straight up knew that they needed his presence not just pontification and verse 12 says Jesus said to them come and have breakfast now none of the disciples dared ask him who are you they knew it was the Lord and that's the thing Jesus had made it a thing that they knew who he was and that it was not out of his character to just say, look, just come and eat. And sometimes, y'all, we need each other's presence and encouragement, not just 
the most applicable Bible verse. Remember to catch Faith and Fandom 180 every Wednesday morning on the Back Row Morning Show only on LTN Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcasts, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. You are listening to The Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mira. We get to spend the rest of this show talking about all of the wonderful things that we find on our shelves at our local comic shop in our apps of choice. And see, I, I even said something nice about digital. Don't don't tell anybody. Um, so I think we should get after it because I think both of us did super random things Yours is not all DC. Mine is almost all Marvel. So I guess the world is upside down and backwards and we'll just have to ride this one out and see what happens. Okie dokie. He's like, all right, let's go. Me first? What are yeah. All yeah. Right. Let's do it. All right. Pull my pulls. First off, I'm going to break our mold of molds and I'm going to go with a spy family. Number four. How, how dare you introduce manga like you've never done it before? Yeah, like I do it with every other manga I right. read. Uh, are you watching Spy Family at all? No, but apparently I should be because when I saw it make your list this week, I was like, okay, fine, got it, adding it to the queue. <laughs> I know you're not at a lot of cons, but just let me tell you this for context of understanding where it's gotten to. Mm. Uh, more people cosplay Spy Family than Demon Slayer now. Ooh. The mantle has been passed on. It has. Like for the last year or so, Nezco from Demon Slayer is the most popular cosplay it shows. Right. Yep. Uh, there are two female leads in this and one male or two male leads ish. Um, and I saw at Galaxy Con, which is a big show around here. Um, I saw at Galaxy Con more cosplays of the two main females from this than anyone hmm. in Demon Slayer. Wow. So in like a six month window, this went from zero to a thousand. Got yeah. it. Um, and this is the same deal that has happened to me multiple times when uh, watching an anime for the first time. Uh, you get to the first season, first season's over, and it's going to take years for them to catch up. But there's manga. So, right, right. And that's what I'm telling you with this. Uh, if you've watched the first season of Spy Family, which is, I think, eight episodes, uh, you can pick up with the manga in book four. Hmm. And uh, there are currently uh, eight mangas out. Uh, the ninth one's about to drop next month. Um, But so I'm not going to try and uh, give you a bigger sales pitch than you should. If you like the anime, keep reading. Um. But uh, Chris, just to tell you the plot point, because wrote my daughter, this is a point where I've uh, been lapsed in my geekhood. Uh, my 14 year old daughter told me about an anime I need to watch. Mm. Um, and she's actually done that about three times now. You're lying, April, which uh, just throwing this out there. This is, you know, this that also has a manga I've not read. But you're lying. April is one of the most beautiful animes I've ever seen in terms of music and storytelling. But it's also heartbreaking. She uh, got me on well, that. Yeah. Yeah, anime. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, dude, this is like we're beautiful young musicians, but I'm dying of cancer. I mean, in high school romance, but at the, at the same, same time, time. An anime. 
Fair. Like all of you that's that are just starting the early seasons of my hero. Yeah. Yeah. Just wait. <laughs> um, but so to give you the sales pitch of what this is, um, there is a world-class spy, uh, the greatest uh, master of disguise spy in a place where two countries are warring. Mm. And he needs to get close to a target over a long haul mission to with this guy who could defi- decide the fate of war. Whoa. Okay. In order to do that, the only in he has is that he has to get a kid, register that kid for school and become part of the like school PTA community <laughs> so that he can be, cause that this dude only comes out of the building once or twice for a kid's school functions. Wow. So he goes to adopt a child specifically for this mission. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> yes. Oh, but wait, brother. But wait. Um, the child he adopts is the epitome of Kaiwai, uh, uber cute anime kids. But she's telepathic. I'm assuming he doesn't know this when he does. He doesn't. Okay, so. Right. So she's it. reading all of his thoughts. She knows everything he's, like, he's what thinking. The crap. And so she's like, ooh, Papa's an assassin. Pew, pew. Like, it's that. Um <laughs> Uh, or a spy. So you've got a psychic toddler adopted by an assa- by a spy to cement the the family vibe. He's got to find a wife, right? Of course, he, like one does, like one does. And because it's you know uh, Eastern culture themed, um, uh, convenience marriages are not out of the question. Mm. So he finds a young maid who is down on her look and needs a place to live. He said, look, we can have, we can, uh, I need to get my daughter into school. Why don't you marry me for the sake of, uh, housing and family and all this stuff. Um, she's the world's greatest assassin. (laughs) That's great. So you've got the world's greatest spy. In a fake marriage to the world's greatest assassin, they actually like each other, and you've got a psychic kid in the middle, just like, oh crap, get the blood stains off mama's dress, oh crap, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that. And it's the most absurd take. So, uh, where the anime stops and where this picks up, um, they need a dog for the next part of the mission. Of course, they do. <laughs> and, but wait, there's more. Oh my. <laughs> the dog can see the future but uh, the dog can't speak so only Anya the little girl can read the mind of, of the, the dog of the but and the dog <laughs> and but when she's reading the mind of the dog she's reading the mind of just like dog visuals without good audio and stuff so she's like sketchy TV antennaing this <laughs> and so Spy Family is freaking delightful. Um, as an as an anime, as a manga, um, I've not heard the English dub. I've only watched it in Japanese. Um, but I like the little cute voices in Japanese. I'm just saying, this is like if you just want something that is fun and actiony, this is it. Like one of the early missions or one of the early episodes is that they. Uh, she wants a birthday party or something. And so he rents out the biggest castle on their area. And as a training mission, all of the other spies have to air quotes, 
kidnap his daughter and he has to defeat them to rescue her. And because her favorite thing is spies. And it just so happens that her dad is a spy. It's delightful. So there's that. Uh, wow. That's pull number one. Yes. But uh, I picked Follow up. that one up, Chris. <laughs> yeah, dude, Fine. it's so fun. All right. So uh, next one uh, going on to I'm going to say that Nightmare Country number five. Um, if you're not familiar with Nightmare Country, uh, but you are familiar, you're one of the folks. And I don't say this with any disdain, but if you're one of the folks that just jumped on the Sandman train. Uh following the Netflix series, this is actually a really good spot for you because the main character focal point of this is the Corinthian. Yeah. Um, and that, uh, and that makes sense because for the rest of us, the Corinthian didn't get much in the comics to begin with. Now, uh, what's cool is they, they actually revisit the scene at the serial convention. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the um, Corinthian that's in this is the Corinthian that has been remade after that. Okay. So he is not the same Corinthian. Because right. I was going to say that the biggest piece actually for comics is at, and spoiler, not spoilers, spoilers. Um, so pausey pause um, is dream unmakes him because he's like, you, you, you should have been so much more. And you went and did the thing that I told you not to do. Yes. Um, so the Corinthian story technically ended. So, I dig that they're finally revisiting the bringing the Corinthian back and what or what not that does look and feel like. So continue. So the Corinthian uh, is the main character of this, but there is a girl who can see things that she shouldn't be able to see. Mm. And some uh, minions of desire hunt her down and all this stuff. And the Corinthian ends up having to become like you're now tethered to me until we figure out all this crap. Hmm. Um, for those who of you who would jump into this, even though there's only five issues, if in your, uh, there is a new dream. Oh, okay. So if you're coming in here and you're like, why is this not Morpheus at this point in the same man storyline, there is a new dream. And I honestly don't know how that all transpires. I know it does transpire, but I don't know that breakdown. So, um, yeah, if you're, if you're looking to catch up on Sandman, it's only nine volumes of the original series. And that does not include all of the offshoots into Lucifer and all the other pieces they did. The recent series of The Dreaming, which is probably where it occurred, but I honestly forget myself. And then now Nightmare Country. So, you know, you've got like a year's worth of catch up, but it's all good. And things I didn't expect to say. Um, <laughs> if you do want to catch up on Sandman, and I'm honestly considering this, Chris, I'm honestly uh -oh. considering this. It's all on DC, uh, infinite. Oh, is it? That would be uh, the most, that would be the most cost effective way to do it. <laughs> it is. Um, so if you're not aware, uh, DC universe used to be DC's app that predated HBO max where they were going to put all the DC video and movie and TV content on there, but you could also read all the comics digitally. Yep. Uh, HBO max shot that in the face, <laughs> yeah. like the backseat scene in Pulp Fiction. And <laughs> then, um, oddly specific. Yes. <laughs> then after they cleaned up the mess of DC universe, they let HBO max handle all the streaming content and DC infinite, uh, is the sole comic book street uh, digital 
supplier. You don't own them, but you can read them on a subscription. Right. Uh, you can read all of the Sandman content there. And honestly, it's probably your best option. Seven bucks a month or something, and you can read it all on a pretty quick basis. Yeah, as long as you don't sleep on it, you should. That basically will cut your cost in half if you read one of them a month. Or you could be a nerd and just like read them all on a weekend. And yeah, and then you have definitely got your bang for buck. Yes. Um, be like the people that try and binge whole series on their one right, week free and then drop it. Right. <laughs> um, Going on and uh, variants number three, which, by the way, let me just put this out there. I love Gail Simone. Yep. I love Gail Simone so much. And Gail is just a, a wonderful and a human being. Um, her her Twitter is delightful. Just, yes. just FYI. And um, I saw recently that a few of my like local friends are actually friends with Gail Simone on Facebook. And I'm like, I'm jealous. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, I'm like. I look at these people. I'm like, you're not cool enough to be friends with Gail Simone. I want to be friends with Gail Simone. Um, but but <laughs> I anyway, be friends. I do. Um, but uh, variance is a uh, multiversal type situation where all these different versions of Jessica Jones show up, and it's Spider-Man No Way Home with Jessica Jones. Got it. Um, it's literally what it is, except their different versions are quite wacky. You've got uh, one that's very pink and bubble gummy. You've got one that's basically the same Jessica. You've got one where Jessica becomes Captain America and was married to Daredevil. Fair. Um, and they what? actually, have, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, because she like goes up on a rooftop in issue two, and she's like Matt, and she just runs up and starts kissing him. And he's like, excuse me, ma'am. He's like, ma'am, ma'am. Luke Luke Cage will punch a hole in my intestines. Please get off me. He's Um, like, I I do not choose to die this way. And she, he realizes, they realize later that that Jessica's married, but they all sit down and have coffee together in this. Um, But they had to bring in for the beginning of it to bring in uh, she Hulk to break up the fight. Um, Either way, uh, if Jessica Jones floats your boat, if you like multiverse stories, if you like variants, um, it's you a like good Gail thing because Marvel's got you. Marvel's got you. Uh, <laughs> um, this is a story for you, um, and it's fun. They are only three issues in, and I want to say it's like a short series, like six is what it's going to. I could be wrong on that. Um, uh, I might be able to look that up while you're talking. But it's uh, Phil Noto is also the artist, which means it's glorious art. Yep. Can't, can't beat it. It's great. Let's see. What does the interwebs tell me? Number three of five. So yes. three of five. So yeah, it's a short one. And then uh, my other pull, which uh, is the twentieth anniversary of Firefly issue. I just want to say off the top, like first time in a very long time, Hector literally messages me and says, "You don't get to do Firefly twentieth." <laughs> it's the middle of the week. As soon as I picked no up, no discussion. As just, as- <laughs> it, this is mine. As soon as I read it, I just messaged Chris Dibs on Firefly 20th. It's like, nope. Dibs. <laughs> and I have to honor the sacred tradition of Dibs. He didn't I respond. By, I am bound by law. He didn't reply. He didn't send me a mug, mean face emoji. He just like, all right. <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't read it yet. So I was like, I, I had a feeling I knew exactly what it was about as soon as that happened. And I was like, I'm okay with this. And I'm just going to have to step away. <laughs> Um, which, by the way, for you nerds out there that are uh, you don't feel like Googling, uh, 
<laughs> the 20th anniversary of Firefly is September 20th. There you go. Um, is the actual, and Faith and Fane will be doing a bunch of Firefly stuff that day. Um, Dope. But uh, yeah, uh, Firefly 20th. Uh, if you're not aware, they've done an all new Firefly story. Um, meaning a like. Couple. Fi- right, 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 right. But I'm saying like uh, there's a new branch of comics called All New Firefly that yes. take place like um 12 to 15 yeah. years down the road um, because it might even be slightly longer than that because remember that one or two of the crew is children of and they're definitely like teeny not small but teenage more than yeah i was about to say emma is like mid-teens right but she was like yeah okay um, yeah no that's the thing the timeline thing kind of makes your head hurt for a second and it's mostly they're just like just accept it this is the thing it's a kid move on so this is at least 16 years after the movie serenity yes um uh and it's a cool story because it takes place in the firefly proper timeline yes and then jumps forward 16 years and you get kind of like the resolution of it in all new firefly timeline yeah it's pretty great we finally get we get to see some folks that we unfortunately don't get to see as often (laughs) anymore And yeah, no, I, I enjoyed this read for that purpose. So continue to tell, tell us, tell us a story. Uncle I, won't, I won't do a ton of spoilers on it or anything like that, but I'll say it's, uh, you get a lot of Shepard, you get a, a healthy dose of Shepherd book, which yep. is my bread and butter. Yes. Um, I love, which Shepherd's is book. why Hector is like, no. And I'm like, cool. This, nope. this story is, this story is about book. Got it. Yep. <laughs> picked, picked it up and read it and went, Nailed it. <laughs> Which, by the way, just and this is just a side note. If you are a Firefly fan and you have not read A Shepherd's Tale, mm. um, which is a supplementary Firefly one-shot graphic novel Ooh. that actually gives you all of Shepherd Book's backstory. So good. Uh, read that junk. Yep. Um, I found God over a bowl of soup um, <laughs> is the thing with that. But uh, That's this... Dark Horse for those of you that need to Google Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but with this, you get Shepherd Book being Shepherd Book at his best. Um, and then you, in retrospect, get to see a lot of people talk with reverence and wisdom about Shepherd Book in the future. Yeah. So, uh, it was in the feels for sure. It was good. And I, I plan to reread this, which is nice. Um, so yeah, those are my main pulls. What you got? So I said I pulled a bunch of random Marvel and it's because I did. Um, I'm not normally a huge fan of giving Marvel money when they put big random numbers on the cover of books Um, and how you technically come to a calculation of you actually being at Amazing Fantasy 1000. I would love to see the 30 page um, master's thesis that explains how this book is. 1000 in the amazing fantasy line. Um, but anyway, um, we're kind of in the era of there was the time period in the nineties where we did issue 1 million, which was literally a marketing thing. So if you go into the back issue section of your, your comic stores, you will find this pile of books that say issue 1 million on them. And yeah. Um, but these are typically be gone, right? These, (laughs) these are, anthology type stories typically and this is pretty much the 60th anniversary of peter parker and amazing fantasy and where we get the spider-mans from and at first because there's a large swath of spider-man history that i quite honestly don't care about because eh. 
Um, you can only tell the same story with Peter 47,000 times. And then the clone thing happened and we don't talk about the clone thing. Um, the, the clone conspiracy there. Yeah. You're welcome. Go. Don't read that. Um, that's what made me stop reading comics. Right. That a lot of people were like, how dare you? So noted. But what's really cool about this is pretty much all of the great teams from Spider-Man over the last 60 years that are still with us are in this. And like you can't maybe you can read all of them, but that's like the, sh- the short list of all the people that are here. And you got some Bagley in there. Uh, I believe so. And and this is the thing is now I have to look over the entire list to be like, who actually isn't here? But like Michael Cho, uh, Koipel's in here, Dodson. Uh, this is my favorite. Neil Gaiman is in this book as a writer and as himself. Um, so talk about awesome timing. He literally does a first person thing of and I'm not sure if it's a true story or if it's how he imagined it. If it's a true story, it's really cool, but it's when he met Steve Ditko. So Ditko also is in this in drawing as an homage to him, um, which is really neat. Um, Who else? Uh, Ryan Stegman. uh, Hickman wrote in here. Holy crap, did Begley not? Huh. Uh, Dan Slott, like literally anyone that's been kind of working on this thing for the last couple of years. Begley is not. And see, uh, to me, there's not Spider-Man without Begley. Yeah, that's actually interesting. But I'm trying to think if he's actually been on one of the books recently. And maybe that's why he was, dude. Well, that's what I mean, is that because of the proximity of his actual work. Um, Wasn't he on some of the Sins Rising stuff? Mm hmm. Yeah. So that's that's that might be why. And but the only other thing that kind of stands out is um, McFarlane isn't here. Yeah, I don't even think, even I know, but even at least for right for art. But uh, let me see if I can find at least a couple because one of the the stories in anthologies almost never fully impress me, to be completely honest, because usually they're short. You kind of got to get in and get out um, and make that kind of thing that you do. Um, but the best part about them generally is the art. And that's why this book made my list because it made you have all the spider feels like through multiple eras. Oh yeah. Like if you guys can see this, like this, this dual page splash just maybe go, Oh yes, that is the Spider-Man's. Um, is that Alex Ross? I don't believe so. Okay, go on. Sorry. Now, now, now I've lost the page. How dare you? Um, this one was because lots of cool stuff in here. So it may be Ramos or Sabino because a couple people worked on that story. Um, but yes. So if you are about the Spider-Mans and you want to see kind of a cool walk through the graphics of Spider-Man over the last couple of years, this was just a fun book that y'all know me. I usually recommend books that are really off the wall or ooh, this is extremely pretty. You should look at it. So this is extremely pretty. You should look at it. Um, moving on to my next one, I went <laughs> boom. And I don't think I actually fell into the series in the first series, but uh, wind. Uh, was a cool fantasy story that was done a while ago. Um, this is a Tinian book. Uh, I don't know if you read it when the first series came out, but it's kind of about basically the presence of, it's a very like think high fantasy world of like 
humans are like the minority <laughs> in terms of the different types of beings that are present in here. But magic wielders explicitly are typically viewed as dangerous. Um, and this is kind of a story of an elf type flying being that is part of a higher echelon of beings that most of these folks haven't seen in a very long time. So a lot of this story is about this individual being hidden and then wandering through an unraveling war that is currently occurring. And this war is like between orcs, humans, vampires. Like we're talking about a world that like literally regular quote unquote human beings are absolutely at the bottom of this food chain in terms of stuff going on in the world. Um, but this is another book that there's a lot to it. There's a lot of heft to it. I think it's a, it's a short series. I think, I think it's a one of five as well, but the books are definitely double issue. They're thick. Um, they are running North of 32 pages instead of like the regular stuff. And it's just, it's got solid fantasy arts. Um, Hey, look, it's a tavern. Um, (laughs) so all roads lead to the inn. Pretty much. So you can check out Wind, out the, yeah. <laughs> Wind the Throne in the Sky if you kind of want to scratch that fantasy type scratch. And that's Boom Studios. So Boom's just been, as far as I'm concerned, hitting on all cylinders lately. Very pretty books, high quality stuff, great teams. So as much as I pick up image number ones just to see, I feel like I pick up more Boom number ones and stick than image right now. Like image does seriously off the wall stuff a lot of times and collectors go after them. But I guess I'll say it here first. Go pick up boom number ones because I think you're more likely to hit Um, something you actually want to read. Right. And also could become super collectible. Possibly. I'm not going to say that with a lot of oomph because it's impossible to tell. But I'm seeing much cooler stuff from them lately Um that I think people are sleeping on because they're like, oh, Boom's that kid's company. Uh, it hasn't been for a while, fam. <laughs> uh, so pick up some of them books. Um, I'm going to move two of my Marvels around because I talk a lot about it. <sighs> this one's going to hurt my soul. Um, but this falls into one of my Marvel categories that all of you are all too familiar with. That, that, that's damage control number one for all of you that don't believe that I don't read really random Marvel stuff. This book falls into the same category as um, Strange Academy for me in that it is absolutely crazy, silly, the premise of the book. But it is stupid fun in the process. And there is a time and place for stupid fun, especially in the Marvel um universe and the damage control literally is kind of this concept of this superhero agency that is kind of like the cleanup agency of all the craziness that is superheroes and everything in the world and damage control follows two interns at damage control um kind of in their thing and so the first book is literally this kid gets his internship and he gets dropped in the mail room of you know what they eventually refer to as basically you know the waiting room for shield so this is where all the rejects go before they are actually good enough to end up in shield but they actually are doing like the damage control or public relations control for heroes like fury and thor and so you get lots of silliness throughout this entire book and i saw someone else post it earlier and in the community and it's just absolute truth that 
this whole thing starts at the coffee shop, like up the street from damage control. And you, you catch, um, moon Knight uh, getting his coffee and they wrote moob night on it instead of moon night. Um, so, you know, it maybe it's moob it's moon moob knife um and he's just like give me my coffee you silly person um and that's the flavor of comedy throughout it so i'm sorry not sorry um because it's just stupid fun and when he falls behind on delivering all of his mail in the day um nightcrawler helps bamf him around the office so he can do it faster let's see that's i almost bought that just because of nightcrawler being on the cover but i'm like yep I'm going to be disappointed if I do that. So I won't do that. Yeah, you, you still might be, but <laughs> I, I figure if someone wants something that's just totally different and continuity adjacent, but at the same time actually is a pretty gorgeous book. Um, it's basically kind of the office, uh, but in Marvel world. Um, ask. So good times. And then finally, I don't need to spend a lot of time here because I kind of already talked about it. Uh, you got two spider books this week. Um, Amazing Spider-Man number eight. I think I've mentioned kind of on the side or in previous polls that Spider-Man's kind of fallen into a good place again. Ramita Jr. apparently is on and off books because like the last two weren't Ramita Jr. This one is, so it's back to looking pretty. Um, but there's a there's a lot of very typical Peter Parker going on here, and it's not clones. It's not some of the insanity that happened towards the end of Sin Eater and all of that. It's just kind of back to feeling more like Peter just doesn't ever catch a break. <laughs> um, so he's still doing work with Norman Osborn, and that's still kind of weird. And that whole relationship post Sin Eater is still really, really weird. But it's back to feeling kind of like friendly neighborhood Spider-Man territory and just straight up Peter, not clone Ben Riley, not other stuff, just Peter. Um, and I dig Spider-Man once we end up back on that planet. You are listening to the pull list podcast with Chris Fourier and Hector Mira. This week in nerd history, space, the final frontier. Nerd history. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. These words open the first episode of Star Trek, the original series, when it premiered in America on September 8th, 1966. It was our first introduction to Captain James T. Kirk, First Officer and Science Officer Spock, Chief Medical Officer Leonard H. Bones McCoy, and the rest of the classic crew we would come to know and love as the originators of one of the most fan-crazy franchises in history. But it was not all that popular when it initially aired. With consistently bad Nielsen ratings, NBC finally canceled the show after three seasons. However, as sometimes happens with sci-fi shows, cough, 
Firefly, cough, it became a major hit several years later in syndication, and it spawned a franchise, picking up with several movies, then several new series, and even to this day, a handful of Star Trek shows and movies are in production. But before any of that came to pass, after the original series grew its cult status, Gene Roddenberry attempted to continue on with the original series from where it left off. However, this time he opted to make it an animated series, with most of the original cast returning for the voice work. Star Trek the Animated Series also premiered on September 8th, but in 1973, and originally aired in the Saturday morning TV block. Not only was the animated series critically acclaimed, but it was also the first Star Trek series to win an Emmy Award, achieving the honor in 1975 for its second season. The show's writers originally considered the animated series as an effective fourth season for the original show. However, at the end of the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation, all licenses for Star Trek were renegotiated, and the animated series was essentially cut from the canon of the show, meaning it essentially never happened. Though some things established by the show still stand, such as the first captain of the Constitution-class Starship Enterprise being Captain Robert April, which featured James Doohan voicing the character during his only appearance on screen in the last episode of the animated series. He wouldn't be mentioned in the series again until the fifth episode of Star Trek Discovery in 2017, where he's listed as one of Starfleet's most decorated captains as of 2256. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more Nerd History. You are listening to the Pull List Podcast with Chris Fourier and Hector Mira. So we got some number ones left. So how about you hit us with that? What hit the top of your number one list for the week? And then I'll close this out with a really weird book. <laughs> Mine's weird too. Um, don't 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 at me. Um, too late. Uh, Evanescence number one. Yeah. See, so you said that confused, but maybe not everyone will comprehend that. That not just the term, like the band. Book down. Yep. Book down. Um, this is literally a comic book based on lyrics from Evanescence. Okay, that makes it even more weird than I originally thought. Go on. <laughs> um, and uh, so the forward is from Amy Lee from Evanescence. And uh, the general like art of it and stuff. I before I'm going to make some comments here. Uh, and I don't want this to sound negative. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but just to say, this looks like something produced in Artist Alley. Oh, half our friends just unadded you. <laughs> um, and that's not a bad thing, but there's a difference between something looks like it came from Boom or Marvel versus like it came from Artist Alley. And this looks like like I have this looks like I'd be beside the booth that did this. Um <laughs> and with that, that's okay. that's not a this is a book he's trying to tell you to read. I am. And that's not, this isn't a bad thing at all. I'm just saying this does not look like it is a major studio pitch. This looks like a labor of love. Okay. I I'm, I'm following now. Right. That's, it's not necessarily a bad thing when. No, no, but look at this. Uh, one of the variant covers is a breath of the wild cover. (laughs) And that's just, that is the most random thing ever. Um, but like one of the variant covers for this is a Breath of the Wild cover. And um, so it, it's just a weird setup. But the they basically take some lyrics from not even like this isn't like wake me up inside or anything. Right, right, um, right. They take some lyrics 
Um, and so the entire conversation uh, is about a girl who uh, whose father died. And then when she dies, she rejects being forced to accept everything as positive and light. And like they want her to uh, only dwell on the good memories. And there are things that feed off of her good vibes. Um, and she's like, no, I need to deal with my pain. And it's only until she actually deals with her pain that she can actually be reunited uh, in the afterlife with her father. And oh, uh, uh, the whole thing is very watercolor, very vi- pretty. Um, and as, of course, it should be. Um, the back is an ad for Evanescence's tour with all of the <laughs> spring, with all of the fall dates. And they're uh, on the road with P.O.D. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. All um, right. Uh, so like literally like this this is almost all independent vibes. Um and there are more issues coming. So here's a preview of the cover for the next issue. Um <laughs> but just to say this, this is a book based on the lyrics of Evanescence. And if that floats your uh 2000s uh boat of musical references and um you have flashbacks to jennifer garner's training montage from daredevil (laughs) this is the book for you oh oh, okay references do tell me you hear wake me up inside and don't see jessica gar or jennifer garner like slicing up bags with like size in that tight outfit i mean come on that was Uh. i was i was like 1920 at that point heck yeah bro (laughs) i'm trying to figure out how to call this episode that (laughs) um so yeah um my my numero uno uh is minor threats oh Uh, i saw that yeah yeah. so Patton oswalt um yes that past Patton oswalt um is writing a comic um and it's at Dark Horse. And so this is another commentary on the superhero world type book. But um, it's pretty. See, look, look, it's got a little poppy, pulpy to it, which is awesome. But basically, we're following kind of like the minor bad guys in this super world. And specifically, the main character is someone whose mom was like a supervillain and she kind of followed in mom's footsteps sort of as a minor villain type thing. And she has just gotten out of jail and she's working at a bar that's kind of a dive villain bar type thing. And apparently um, there are rules in the superhero world, including for the villains and everything. And someone has gone and beat the living tar out of a dude and he dies. And that doesn't happen. Um, apparently. And the superheroes start basically rounding up, um, villains and pounding them into the ground to be like, give up the dude. And so it's the whole thing of, you know, superheroes abusing their power and like almost killing other people. And then basically being about the whole, that this is not how we do things. So we're still establishing kind of the rule set of this world, but you understand that there are basically supers rules, um, and that they're not quite being followed. Um, but ultimately because they're all getting pounded to death practically by the good guys, the minor villains by the end of the book band together to go, okay, we got to go find bro and either bring him in or kill him because, 
<laughs> we kind of don't want to keep getting destroyed out here by the good guys. Like it, it very much probably is leaning into that political thing of, see, this is why cops are bad, but I'm trying to ignore that um, because it definitely has that vibe. <laughs> it sounds um, like what happened in DC after the rogues killed flash and countdown mm-hmm. and the rogues had to go on the run because of all that. Yeah. Right. So, but all of these characters have like super like off the wall, like abilities. Um, they're really kind of random. <laughs> um, and as the title ensues, they're, they, they, they're not really a threat to anybody because of their abilities and, and who they are. Um, but it's very pulpy. It's kind of fun. Oswald's humor is kind of sprinkled throughout. So uh, I'm along for the ride because I, I dig books that kind of throw back to that pulp feel yeah. and are just fun. And that's what this book does. So I'm in. All right. On, Patton, on an Oswald note. Money. Uh, just to throw it out there for those who don't, Patton Oswalt also wrote one of the best Firefly comics. He's um, been writing a lot. Uh, this was like for maybe a decade ago, but he did one called Float Out, I believe, mm. which was one of the stories that established Wash's story after Serenity, per mm. se, and why we have certain characters that we have now. So, so it's good stuff. Well, I, I, I think that's actually going to do it. Yeah, uh, I think we talked about the comics. We did. Um, so that's going to do it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode 74 is now in the books and your ears and your eyeballs. Um, it's true. We're on YouTube now, so don't miss that. Uh, like and subscribe. Smash that button. Uh, I feel wrong doing that every single time. Yep. But you should do that because we're on YouTube and it's awesome. Um, but we can't do this alone. Uh, as many of you know, we take this epic journey of podcasts and fandom and lots of other crazy nerdy stuff with the folks over at the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. So be sure to visit lovethynerd.com for more info, previous episodes, and maybe find yourself a new show to add to your routine. Because ultimately, end of the day, Hector and I also want you guys to know that how thankful we are that four years later you are still listening and now watching us talk about comics. So rate and review the show. Uh, leave us some of them five stars, hit like, all that good stuff. Uh, you can find us on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, uh, YouTube now. So we're just thankful that we get to talk about comics. So you guys make this possible, and it, it's good to know that we, we have fans. Thank you. Um, from the bottom of our hearts. Um, so thanks for listening, and remember, kids, read, read more, more comics. comics. I'm gonna take-